One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. All right. Fantastic. Well, why don't you say hello to one more person as you grab your seat. And uh, worship team, thank you guys so much. You are awesome. And uh, great to be together this morning. And who's glad to be in person this morning? Glad to be in person, and it's so good to see everybody. Uh, we have some great things coming up as we are entering the spring season, and uh, who knows what's happening in two weeks? Easter is happening in two weeks, and we are so excited to be together on Easter Sunday, uh, April 4th, right here, two weeks from today. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Uh, mark your calendar, plan to be here, and invite somebody to come with you, okay? Invite a friend, invite a neighbor, invite a coworker, and uh, to come and be together with us or to join us online. And uh, we are so excited that we get to celebrate Easter. You know, last year we thought we will, certainly we'll be back together by Easter. This time last year we thought we'll be back together. And, um, here we are, 2021, and uh, we are to, we will be together for Easter, just not the one that we expected. So we're so glad that we do get to do that. Uh, and we also have some other great things coming up. Of course, we're here biweekly, but every other week we are gathered in house church. And so if you are a house church leader, would you just stand up to your feet right now? Uh, house church leaders, just stand up to your feet, and let's give these people a round of applause. And uh, there are some others that are not here. Nate and Steph are not here today. They're celebrating their anniversary. And uh, so you can send them a text message uh, tomorrow, okay, and say happy anniversary. But uh, we are together weekly, just not here. So we're here, and then next week we will be in house church. And so I want to encourage you, plug into house church. Uh, that's where the, the action is. That's really the, the beauty of church is relationships. And so we want to invite all of you, uh, if you're not already in a house church, just find one of those people that stood up a moment ago and uh, tell them I'm coming to your house or wherever uh, wherever that is uh, next Sunday, all right? And uh, also after Easter, we have a men's retreat coming up. And uh, any, any men here excited? To, to Any men who's planning to go on the men's retreat already? Yes. Okay, good. I see those hands. Uh, well, we are excited about our men's retreat first ever men's retreat coming up on April 15th, all right? So we're going to be going to the mountains of Tennessee, um, staying in a beautiful place there and enjoying uh, time away. And I really want to encourage you uh, to, to plan to be there. I know when there are things like that, sometimes you think of all the reasons why you can't go. And I know that there are some people, you already have a commitment, you just can't go. Uh, but I really want to encourage you uh, to make it a priority and just plan to go. And uh, relationships are our greatest investment. And so I want to encourage you to uh, plan to be with us, be a part of that. And actually, today is a, a bit of a deadline. It's uh, the deposit, 50% uh, deposit is due today. So some of you maybe have come prepared to, uh, to pay that today. But after service, you can see Matt Hammer. Matt, would you just stand up, give everybody a wave? And uh, we can see that nice summer haircut as well. And uh, you can see men after church, uh, see Matt. I think he's going to be out in the lobby, and uh, he can get you signed up. You can sign up on our website. Actually, you can sign up on the website. You can pay up. And so today, uh, you need to pay up there. But also, uh, if you 
for any reason, you know, you, you can't afford to pay for that. Uh, we don't want finances to be a reason why you can't go. And so just stop by and see Matt. Uh, we've got some scholarships available, and we want to make sure everybody who wants to go is able to go. All right. Uh, the last thing that I want to mention before we get to our message is something uh, that is uh, near and dear to my heart. We've been sharing our vision series over the last several weeks of Keep Open House. And uh, we've shared with you some of the things that we are doing uh, regarding looking for a building of our own. We want to find a place uh, that can be open not just on Sundays, but a place that can be open uh, through the week, a place where we can meet for prayer, for worship, a place that uh, we can get together for Bible studies and classes and also gather on Sundays to worship. And um, so I hope you are taking some time just to pray and seek the Lord uh, about what God would put on your heart. Here's what we are asking everybody is just to ask God to, to tell you if he would have you to give something. So I'm not even asking you to give. There's no arm twisting. There's no manipulation. Uh, there is no, uh, you know, uh, special clubs for those who give. It's just uh, w- asking God, God, what do you want me to give? And so I want to encourage you to, to do that. Uh, we're already hearing incredible stories of really miracle stories that we're going to be sharing in the weeks ahead uh, of how God is providing as people are just stepping out in faith. And so uh, we are going to be having some give days, moments where we just say, hey, let's bring, for those that feel God's put it on your heart to give something, let's bring it as an act of worship uh, and and let's give together. You can also, of course, always give online uh, as well, in addition to regular tithes and offerings, which we're so grateful for your faithfulness uh, in that, in this season. But another aspect of our vision uh, really vision campaign this year is our foster care ministry. And so we actually have a video prepared, I think, uh, that we want to show you today. All right. So take a look at the screens for the foster care ministry. So Jason and I got involved in foster care about three years ago, um, just after a series of conversations of wondering how we could um, help kids within our community. And we were young, we were under age 30, we had two young kids, but we knew that we had a spot in our home, um, an extra bed, a spot at our table that we could help someone. So that's where we started, just with we could do something for one child. Um, And we were licensed to become foster parents in January 2019. And since then, we've had four kids come into our home. They've stayed as little as two weeks, and one even stayed forever, and we adopted him last April. It's been really cool just to take in basically a stranger and then make them a part of your home and family and just watching them grow and watching them come into your home terrified, eyes wide open, not sure what's going on, and then them learn to love and to trust you and to give you hugs and affection and things that they were terrified to do beforehand, but now they've learned how to become a part of your family and that they can trust you. That's been the really cool thing to see them learn how to trust you. We've had a lot happening. At one point we had four boys under the age of five, and so you can just imagine it was crazy stressful with lots of kids and trying to meet every single one of their needs. So it really 
made me focus on having to rely on the Lord and waking up every morning and saying, okay, God, I need strength to get through this day because I can't do this apart from you. And just watching him just give me that strength that I needed, um, that's the only way I can describe it is we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing without just that infilling from the Lord each and every day and strengthening us and reminding us that we can do this, that this is hard stuff, but that he has given us the ability to do it through him. So last summer we were given the opportunity to have what's called a care community and it was a team of about eight people that um, were going to love on our family. They were going to bring us meals, they're going to pray for us, they're going to just really come alongside us and help us be the best foster parents that we could be. And it was at a crazy time because um, Jason was finishing up fire school and I had the kids all day every day and dinner time was like the hardest time because everybody was crying. I'm holding someone, trying to make something, trying to make sure nobody gets burned and it's just it was just a really hard time in our lives at that point. Um, and so this team of people just came alongside us. And even during COVID, we had like a virtual meet and greet. So we were on Zoom and they're introducing themselves to us and our kids are all screaming and crying. And we're, you know, meeting these people. And it was so crazy to Jason and I that these people who are total strangers wanted to walk alongside us. They wanted to get to know us and they wanted to serve our family during a time where we needed so we needed help and they wanted to do that. And that was so life-giving to us to know that there are people that want to do that, that want to serve. So we were so overwhelmed by our care community loving on our family so well that we felt like we wanted to see that happen at our church as well. And. When we receive new placements, our church has always been so great about coming and asking us, how can we help you? Can we bring you food? What can we do? But we've been so overwhelmed with life that we don't know how to tell people to help us. And so this care community idea was so cool because it was a model that made it so simple for anybody to serve. So if you can bring a meal, if you can pray for someone, if you can babysit for a foster family, these are simple ways that you can be part of foster care ministry without needing to be a foster parent. And so we are really excited to see this launching at our church and we want to see everybody serve. We want to see everyone involved in the foster care ministry. We'd love to see families serving together. Um, and we'd love to see even people who are interested in becoming foster parents um, come and grow through this ministry. Awesome. Isn't that great? And we are so, so excited um, to really step into this. And here's the beauty of kind of what we're doing with this foster care ministry. Uh, we are actually just recognizing what God's already doing. And, you know, you can try to start a ministry by uh, me saying or, or someone else saying, you know, we ought to do this. We ought to do that. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes when you try to do what you feel like you ought to do, there's not a lot of energy. There's not a lot of grace behind it. But uh, really what this is, is just recognizing God is moving on our church and uh, bringing this heart uh, for those that are uh, without a family to bring into our family or for those that are separated from their family to be able to be a part of a family and a home where they are loved and provided for. And I love that line that Sarah said, you know, we just brought in what was basically a stranger. They've become a part of our family. And uh, I couldn't think of a better line really to communicate the heart of the gospel than that. Amen? Amen. You guys are a little lethargic this morning. We're going to bring coffee around, pump it into your mouth, okay? So that, that is close to the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. 
Todd bringing some North Carolina over there. Um, well, I want to encourage you, you can sign up. Sarah, give everybody a wave over there. Sarah is leading. Sarah and Jason Griffin are leading that ministry. Uh, and so you can see them. We have an orientation meeting coming up. If you're interested in that, maybe you're, op- you're interested in opening your home, or maybe you're just interested in helping to support uh, a foster family as they are opening their home. I'm looking around the room today, and I know even some of you spent time uh, in foster care as you were growing up. And I just believe this is a beautiful, beautiful expression of God's heart. And so I want to encourage you, see Sarah or go to our website at ocparkdistrict.com slash events, okay? And you can sign up there. Well, did you bring your Bible today? Probably not because it's 2021, I know. But if you have a Bible or if you have a phone, grab it and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm a paper guy. I like to bring a paper Bible. Uh, That way I'm just making sure that uh, what somebody is telling me is actually in there, okay? So I encourage you, uh, check what I'm saying. Make sure that I'm not making something up, okay? And uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We're continuing, as I mentioned already, uh, this series, kind of vision series that we are uh, really starting the year with to set the course, kind of taking the first quarter of the year, uh, just to set the course, not just for this year, but where we really feel that God is taking us as a church. And uh, around this theme of keep open house, uh, which is uh, taken right out of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus says this, you're the light of the world. I'm not in that verse right now. You're looking at it. You're like, that's not in Ephesians. Uh, I object. No, uh, it is in the book of Matthew. Okay, I'll get to Ephesians in just a second. But Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Uh, You're a a city on a hill. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And the message paraphrase says it this way, keep open house. Be generous with your lives and you'll cause people to open up to this generous Father in heaven. And I, I love that phrase, keep open house. It just speaks of the generous, open heart of God. And that's what we want as a church, not just you know, keep the church open. You can't take my rights. I, I, I'm not saying there's not a place for, uh, you know, recognizing our rights. But what's more important than that is God's heart for us, God's heart for his people. Some of you don't sound like you're so uh, convinced of that, okay? But uh, I, I want to read this out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus, and he says this, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, in other words, you weren't in the the, the nation of Israel, you weren't Jewish, you weren't a part of God's family, you were Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. That's a unusual way to identify yourself, made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, everybody say, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near By the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the same Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're a part of his family. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that it is God-breathed, that is living and active. And Lord, we ask that you would today breathe upon us. Lord, we pray that your word would come alive. We pray that you would fill me, that my words would not just be my words, but Lord, it would be your words. And Lord, that we would have a heart filled with faith to receive your word today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, a lot has changed over the last year. A lot of things that we probably never would have envisioned changing have changed over the last year. And uh, in that, I think we would all recognize that there are some things uh, that we never really appreciated in the past that now we have a much greater appreciation for, like toilet paper, right? Uh, and, you know, who would have ever thought that toilet paper would be like a national crisis moment, you know? Um, but for all of us, whether we were a stockpiler or whether we were down to our last sheet, uh, all of us have learned to appreciate some things that, that we had never thought about before. I mean, uh, not just toilet paper, other things like travel. And uh, who's looking forward to being able to travel again sometime? Some of us are. And, uh, or even things like dining out. Who's, who's looking forward to being able to dine out? Some of you already are dining out, and you're just thinking about lunch. I want to dine out at lunch. Um, well, there, there's things that we're all looking forward to, things that we've all, um, you know, recognized the value of. And, and one of the things that I believe that we have come to appreciate that we hadn't ever thought about before is just nearness, just being together, being together like this, um, you know, being able to be with family, being able to gather together and, and uh, even looking forward to being able to gather without restriction or fear and, um, you know, all of the things that have just kind of become the new normal for us. We, we look forward to that. We've come to appreciate just being uh, together. I, I realize there's some people that I've known now for a year that I have no idea what the bottom half of their face looks like. Anybody else have a friend like that? You're like, I'm not going to recognize you one day because uh, I have no idea what your nose and mouth looks like. And we've become used to this distance. And, you know, the truth is I'm grateful for the wisdom of being careful and being cautious. And we always want to be loving and considerate of 
one another. Uh, but there is a toll on us. There is a, a feeling of just separation and distance. And, you know, ultimately, every single one of us recognizes that, that we have a need for nearness. We have a need for nearness. In fact, even from the time we're born, there is a need for physical nearness. Uh, some of you that have had little babies, you've probably heard that term skin to skin. You know, skin to skin, which if you, if you don't have a baby, uh, I know anything around having babies is just weird. And so I will just give that to you right up front. But skin to skin is this thing that they have recognized is a really important thing that when a baby is born, they'll lay it on the mother's chest, lay the baby on the mother's chest or even on the father's chest. And somehow that skin to skin nearness activates Parts of that child's brain, that infant, that newborn baby's brain activates parts of that brain, that baby's brain that cause it to bond with the mother and uh, even uh, that, that causes the baby to react and want to eat and want to nurse on the mother. And uh, it just activates all kinds of things that psychologists tell us now that for children that maybe grow up and don't have nearness, uh, maybe don't have physical affection, that there's often this uh, hindrance to relationship, or there can be uh, what some uh, doctors call a failure to thrive. And, and there's this need for nearness. We know it even throughout life. As we grow up, we may not want skin to skin with our parents, but we all need affection. We all need nearness. And, and over time, that shifts from our parents to our friends and you know, when we get into middle school, we don't want the hugs from our mom. We don't want the kisses from our mom, but we, we still need the nearness. That's why nobody wants to be the kid sitting at the table by themselves. There's this, there's this uh, longing for intimacy, longing for relationship. We have a need for nearness. And that's because we were made in the image of a relational God. We were intended for intimacy. Now, let me say this. What is worse than uh, social distancing? And I would say that maybe even social distancing, a better name could be physical distancing. But what is worse than that physical distancing is spiritual distancing. In fact, our longing for physical proximity, our longing for nearness in the natural, to be close to one another, to be close to someone, to show affection to someone, and someone show affection to us, is actually just a symptom of an internal longing. It's a, it's a physical symptom of a spiritual longing that we long for intimacy with God. We long for nearness with God. And this physical uh, absence or this physical distance is, is merely a reflection of that deeper need. That's why even pre-COVID, you could be in a crowd of people, surrounded by people, and still feel alone, still feel isolated, still feel like you're an outsider, and why? Because we have this internal need, not just a physical need, but a spiritual need for nearness. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage in Ephesians chapter 2. He's speaking to the Gentiles. Initially, uh, it was the, the Jewish people who had, under the old covenant, been the people of God. 
And when Jesus came, he lived among the Jewish people and they experienced this nearness of God. But as the Holy Spirit moved and the church spread out, it began to move into Gentiles, people that had been uh, distant and far off. And that's who Paul is speaking to here. He's speaking to the outsiders. He's speaking to those that, that weren't a part of the in crowd, those that, that you know, felt like they were far off from God and far off from God's plan and purpose. And, you know, if, if you know the, the history of God's people, you know that under the old covenant, God had made a promise to a man named Abraham that, that he would bless him, that he would live with him, and that he would bring him into this land, this promised land. And in the promised land, he would live with him. He would bless him, that God's presence would be with him. And there is, as the children of Israel, having come out of slavery, come into the promised land, they established the tabernacle and then the temple. And it was all the physical expression of God's nearness, that God was with them, which was awesome. It was awesome for the Jewish people, this physical temple that, that represented the embodied presence of God in that dwelling place. That became the symbol of God's blessing, God's favor. It was the temple that, that gave them the sense of God is with us, which was awesome if you're Jewish, but not if you're not. So for those that were not Jewish people, they were born on the outside. They were born afar off. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Just me? Yeah, I, I, I remember first day of sixth grade. I'm still processing it, okay? First day of sixth grade. I remember prior to that, I always brought a lunchbox to school. But I heard in sixth grade, in middle school, you didn't bring a lunchbox. You, you brought a brown paper bag. That's what the cool kids brought. Any, anybody that was the same at your school? Some of you? I said, okay, mom, uh, get rid of the lunchbox. I've got to bring a brown paper bag. And I remember the first day of sixth grade, I'm riding the bus for the first time, and I had this bag with my lunch in it and a, a note from my mom at the bottom because <laughs> she wanted me to get beat up, so she put that in there. And, um, and then on top of that, she put a, a little drink. And, and here was the problem. The drink started getting condensation on it. And condensation's fine in a lunchbox, not in a paper bag. So I'm riding down the bus, you know, bumping up and down, and all of a sudden the bottom falls out of my lunch bag. My sandwich falls on the floor. My love note from my mother falls on, on the floor. My apple falls on the floor, starts rolling around the bus. I'm on the ground trying to gather it before anyone sees this expression of undying love from my, from my mother. I'm trying to grab it together. How many of you know that's not a good start to sixth grade? <laughs> I was what you call an outsider, okay? I was an outsider. And, and that just perpetuated that feeling of, man, I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm not cool enough. I don't have the right clothes. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I don't have the right hairstyle. I had hair at that time for the record. But I just felt like, I don't belong. Anybody ever felt like that? I felt like that. And that's how these Gentiles feel. They feel like, man, God loves them, 
But we're just SOL. We're stuck out there. I don't, I was trying to think of an L, but you know what I'm saying. I'm on the outside, if you know what SOL means. Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> That's how they felt. We're stuck. You know, there was this feeling of God is in that place, blessing and favor, but, but I can't ever get to that place. It was kind of one of those, uh, you had to be there sort of places. You ever had somebody tell an inside joke and it's like, uh, you won't get it, you had to be there. And you just feel like, well, I'm, I'm an outsider. And that's how they felt. We're just outside, outside of God's love, outside of God's purpose, and even within the temple, there was this physical manifestation of, uh, of division from the presence of God. And in fact, I want to show you, I think we've got a little um, illustration. If you know the, uh, the, the layout of the temple, this is kind of a generalization, but there was basically four places in the temple. The temple was the place where God's presence dwelt um, that he related to the Jewish people. But within the temple, there was divisions even within that. There was the outer courts. The outer courts was where Gentiles could come. It was kind of a social gathering place. It was a place where business and commerce would happen. It was the center of culture and life. And everybody was welcome into the outer courts. But then there was the inner courts. And, and there came a moment where they turned to worship and the Jewish people would enter into the inner courts. And the inner courts was not accessible to the Gentiles. The inner courts was for Jewish people only. And so they would draw into, they would draw near to God in the inner courts. And there was a sacrificial system that, that governed how they were to draw near. They couldn't just walk into God's presence. They couldn't just walk in like they owned the place. There was sacrifice that had to be made along the way. That's why when you read in Scripture, you will... Here, oftentimes, there would be beggars at the court of, or the entrance to the inner court because people would bring money to sacrifice. It's kind of like people hitting you up outside of the ATM. They know that, that they're going to get you there, right? So they would move from the outer courts into the inner courts. And, and, and that's where they could worship. That's where they could offer a sacrifice. But then there was a, a deeper place. It was a place called the holy place. And the holy place was a place that was exclusive to the priests. So Jewish people could come into the inner courts, but only the priests could go into the holy place. Only the priests could draw near into that place. And then even deeper than that, nearer than that, there was the holy of holies. And the holy of holies was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was the place where, um, and we could go back to the last uh, the last slide before that. The, the Holy of Holies was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was the place where God's presence dwelt in manifest form among people. And, and only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. Everybody else was outside. And, and again, if you're, if you're Jewish, there was this sense of, wow, God is with us. God is for us. God loves us. He dwells among us. But for everybody else, it was a perpetual reminder that we are on the outside. And, and there was this sense of, I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I, I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm not an insider. 
And, you know, a couple, a couple weeks ago as we were gathering, we've been talking about this picture of the porch and the table and the family room and, and, and the bedroom as four spaces where we relate to God. And I felt like the Lord brought this picture to me. And, and I just realized, wow, this lines up with the temple. And I know you woke up this morning probably thinking, I hope Justin talks about the architecture of the temple because that's so relevant to what I'm going through right now. I just feel like if I understood the architecture of the temple better, like it would really bring a breakthrough into my life. I know that's probably not why you came here today, but, but here's what I want you to understand. That when Jesus came, he came as God in the flesh. He came moving around among people and, and especially among the people who would have been the least likely. Sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, lepers, people that were kept on the outside. And he came to be among those people. Why did he come to be among those people? Because he's saying, I have come to make outsiders insiders. I have come to to put an end to the distancing between God and man. And when Jesus Christ hung on the cross, he hung suspended between earth and heaven, symbolizing that he came to, to bridge the gap, to end the division between God and man, the gap that mankind could never cross regardless of how ceremonial, ceremonial we were, regardless of how, how, how uh, devoted we were, we could never cross the gap. And Jesus came to cross the gap. And he hung between two sinners, between two thieves, to show that he came to not only cross the divide between God and man, but he came to cross the divide between man and man, and man between, uh, between sinners he came to bridge the divide. He came to say that the distance that has been created because of sin is over. And the Bible says that when Jesus died, listen to this, the veil of the temple, that's the veil. I don't know if I can go in front of the speaker with a microphone and I'm out of the camera. I'm sorry. People at home, we love you. The veil of the temple, it was the, the curtain of separation that said, you better not come into this place. The, the veil of the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to the bottom. It was torn saying, this distance is over. And that's why the Apostle Paul says this, that he's broken down the middle wall of separation. What's the middle wall of separation? It was the wall. This is the middle wall between the outsiders and the insiders, between those that... God loved and those that God didn't love in their, that felt they were unloved by God. He's broken down the middle wall. Now, why is that good news for us? Because this longing for nearness, this longing to, to be with God has been satisfied through Jesus Christ. It's been satisfied through Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to note that for the Ephesians who were far off from God, they couldn't go to the temple, so they made their own temple. If you know anything about ancient history, it was the home to uh, the, uh, the, the temple of Artemis. It was one of the seven wonders of the world, this beautiful temple. Why, why did they build that? They built it because they were longing for this sense of transcendence. 
And the truth is that for every one of us, if we do not find intimacy with God, we will always look for a substitute. We will create our own temple. And, and, and you know, some people say, well, I'm, I'm not religious. Yes, you are. Everybody is religious. You say, well, some people say, well, I don't go to church on Sunday. I'm not religious. Well, you may be worshiping at a different temple. You may be, you, you may, you are bringing a sacrifice to something. You will worship something. You will give your life for something. And, and for, for the Ephesians, they were saying, if we could just create this place where we could enter in. And, and Paul's saying, you have been brought near. The separation is over. You no longer have to live at a distance. What an incredible revelation that God is available to every single one of us through Jesus Christ. The distance is over. When he hung on the cross, he was paying the penalty for our sin so that we no longer have to be outsiders, but we, through faith in Jesus, can now draw near. You see, they used to have to draw near through the sacrificial system. It was all about my sacrifice. It was all about what can I give. But now we no longer have to draw near through a sacrificial system. But now we can go to the next slide now. Thank you, incredible guys. Now we draw near through faith in Jesus. We draw near through faith in Jesus. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is the one who has atoned for our sins. He has entered into the Holy of Holies. He has made the sacrifice once and for all. We can enter into the holy place where there was the table, where they would eat the sacrifice. Now as we gather around the Lord's table, as we're going to do in just a few moments, we are celebrating that we have access to God. We have access to the blessing of God, the favor of God on our life, not through our own merit, but through the blood of Jesus. This is news that changes everything. It changes everything. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he was saying, come one, come all. The distance is over. The separation is over. Can you imagine if they got on the news today and said, we have realized there's no longer a need for any separation. It's, it's done. And some of you are like, please, yes, Lord. A day will come. But can, can you imagine if they got on the news and said, no more social distancing, no more separation. Call your friends, call your family, have them over. Kiss them, whatever you want to do. It's over. How many of you know we would be dancing? We would be shouting. We would be dancing in the streets. It would be party time, right? Come on, you may not be a dancer. I'm not a dancer. I hate dancing. I avoid it at all costs. But I'm telling you, when that moment happens, I'm going to begin to dance. I'm going to begin to dance. Well, let me tell you, even better, even better than social distancing, the spiritual distance is over. The spiritual distance. Why do we worship the way we worship? Because we're saying, I've been set free. I was, a, I was far off. I didn't belong. But God has brought me near. 
the distance is over. And you may not be a dancer, but you'll slide on your dancing shoes. Amen? You'll slide on your dancing shoes. It will break off any complacency. It'll break off uh, any inhibition because there's joy that comes in his presence. And so I want to share with you quickly today three things that I believe we experience when we draw near to God. The first thing that we can experience when we draw near to God is freedom in worship. Freedom in worship. I'm referencing it already. But under the old covenant, worship was all about formality. It was literally all about the form. There was all kinds of protocol, regulations about how you could worship or could not worship. What was acceptable and what was unacceptable. And so when you came into worship, there was this perpetual sense of, I'm not sure if my offering is good enough. I, I, I see that lamb. God said, don't bring a lamb with a spot on it. I think that's, a, I don't see a spot. God, is this good enough? And so there's this perpetual sense of formality, of rigidity. It's formal and, and, and you know, very uptight. That's how worship was. But when we catch the revelation that through Jesus Christ, we no, we no longer have to impress God with our worship. He's satisfied through Jesus. And so it's no longer about whether I'm good enough. It, it's no, we no longer have that feeling of, well, God, if you knew what I did this week, boy, I'm not really sure that you'd let me come in. There's this sense of freedom. There's a sense of, wow, I'm right with God. Yeah, I'm not perfect. I've sinned. I did things even this week that I wish I hadn't done. But God, I thank you that you're the high priest that has made a sacrifice once and for all to cleanse my sin so I can come not filled with fear, not filled with formality, but I can come with freedom. I know when we come in on a Sunday, sometimes, you know, it's Sunday morning, daylight savings time. We've got to get some coffee. We've got to stir ourselves up. But let me tell you what's better than coffee is the revelation. I'm free. I'm free in Jesus. And I want to encourage you, don't just sit in the outer courts. You can come here. And it's actually not coming to church that will change your life. It's encountering the presence of God that will change your life. You can sit in church your whole life and it will have no change on your life if you don't encounter the presence of God. You've heard it said before, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. <laughs> and I know it's corny and irrelevant because you probably don't go to McDonald's anymore, but it's still true. It's the presence of God that changes our lives. And so when we, when we come together, I, I want to encourage you to turn your heart towards the Lord. Coming to church, it's not my words that are going to, I'm not going to tell you something. You go, wow, that really changes my life. But what will change your life is an encounter with the presence of God. So I want to encourage you as we draw near, as we gather in worship, let's break out of formality. Let's break out of the constraints of the fear of man. The, the, the Bible says this, the fear of man brings a snare. And, and the fear of man 
we can get saved and we can still live. Notice there were some that were in the inner courts, but they didn't go into the Holy of Holies. You can be a Christian, you're saved, you're a part of God's family, but you're still living beyond where you're able to live. You have access to the holy place. You have access. Anybody ever had an all-access pass? You ever, you ever had one of those all-access pass? Maybe at a concert or something. Maybe you got a security clearance and you feel like, man, I'm kind of like a big deal around here. I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. I don't know if you saw my all-access pass. Is that swagger okay? Is that all right? What are we saying? <laughs> swagger, I know it's four or five years ago. Um, what are we saying? We're saying, Jesus is my pass. Jesus is my pass. So I'm coming into the presence of God, not having to work it up. I'm coming in boldly. I have freedom in worship. I don't have to be formal. I, I, I walk around like my dad owns the place. Some of you, if you own a business, your kids walk around kind of with a little confidence that may be a little beyond what they should. You know what I'm saying? I used to do that. My dad was a pastor at a large church, and I used, there was donuts in this back room. I knew where the donuts were, and I, I'd always find a way to get to the donuts. And I remember somebody caught me crawling through a, a vent return in the door one time. I had taken it off, and I was crawling in. I said, it's okay, my dad's a pastor. I can go into the, the holy place. My rear end was sticking out. They just spanked it right there. No, I'm kidding. They didn't really. But that's what we have through Jesus. We don't have to be formal. We don't have to feel like I've got to stand at a distance. We can say, God, all of my dirt, all of my junk, I'm going to draw near to you. And here's the beauty in the words of my mom, who you hang out with, you become like. You become like. Sometimes we think I've got to get my act together before I come to God. No, if you could get your act together, you wouldn't need to come to God. That's why we have Jesus. And as we draw close through Jesus, a transformation begins to happen. My mom used to say, if you're going to act like that, you won't hang out with him anymore. Well, that's not about Jesus. She said that about my little friends. When you hang out with Jesus, he rubs off on you. You become like him. You have greater confidence. You have, you have greater certainty. Fear begins to vanish. Timidity begins to vanish. So we have freedom in worship. I recognize I'm loved by God. I'm loved by God. I remember the first time that I reached over to grab my wife's hand. Bold move. Who knows, who, who remembers that moment? First base? Is that first base? That's baseline? I don't know. It's, I was, we were walking down a road and I remember, we weren't dating yet, but I thought, this is my moment. I've got to draw near. Got to get ready. And I remember at the time, I, was, I remember my exact words. I want to be, it's cheesy. I'm not even going to tell you what it was, but. <laughs> You'd have to date me to, to get that, all right? Um, but but I, was, I was so formal. I thought, oh man, I got to say the right words. Let me tell you now, there's such freedom. Now I no longer feel like, well, what if she rejects me? Uh, why? Because I'm confident in her love. 
She loves me. She loves me. She's made a commitment to me. She's, she's demonstrated her love. The Bible says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He's demonstrated his love through Jesus. So we don't have to be formal. We can be free in worship. So number one, we have freedom in worship. Number two, we have boldness in prayer. Boldness in prayer. You know, under the old covenant, the high priest would go into the holy of holies once a year on the day of atonement. He would go in to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people. The people couldn't go in, but he would go in to make intercession for the people. He was the mediator. He was the go-between. The problem was he was human. And so they would attach a bell to him and they would attach a rope to him. And, and he would walk in very sheepishly, very fearfully, very bashfully. And in his mind, he had to be thinking, God, I hope you don't see what I'm thinking right now. Have you ever, have you ever had a moment like that? God, can you see my thoughts? Help me, Jesus. But he's, he's walking in bashfully so filled with shame and he's he that's that was the the really the whole picture of it was to reveal the separation between God and man through sin that only Jesus could atone for but he would walk in like that but the bible says this in hebrews 4:15 and 16 we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. How do we come to the throne of grace? Boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm not a very bold person. You know what's interesting? You can take any person, but if you get them in need, and if the need is great enough, it's amazing how it can bring some boldness out of them. My, my daughter, Clara, if you say hi to her today, she'll probably go. We're still working on the social skills. There's this sense of, don't look at me. Don't look at me. But let me tell you this, that's not how she is at home. Uh, you know, we, we need a little, if we could balance out at home versus that persona a little bit, we'd be in great a great place. But at home, she's, Daddy, 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 look at me, Daddy, give this to me, Daddy, I want this. What's she doing? She, she's being bold. I need this. Daddy, do this for me. Why? Because she's confident in our relationship so that she knows that when she's in need, she doesn't have to go, Oh, Daddy, please, could I maybe please have what I need? No, she goes, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Let me tell you, that's how we pray when we recognize the security we have in Jesus. Sometimes we pray prayers of, oh God, if you, if you ever, maybe if you could, if you would, if, you, if I come to your mind, Lord, you know. No, the Bible says that we have great and precious promises. We don't have to pray bashful prayers. We can pray boldly. That's why Jesus gives us the illustration to teach us how to pray. He said there was a widow who was in need and she went over to her, her, her neighbor was a judge and she went over to the neighbor's house in the middle of the night. Judge, wake up, wake up. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get in front of the judge, 
if I do, when I do, if I have. I'm always on my best behavior, right? You can check my record. It's clear, okay? Um, but you're on your best behavior. But Jesus is saying, no, you, you want to know what prayer looks like that gets a hold of God. It's not bashful. It's bold. It's bold. Now, you can be bold and be you, but be a bold version of you. Be a bold version of you. Why? Because we, we have drawn near to Jesus. We have a sinless high priest, so we can come boldly before him. The third thing I want you to see, not only do we have freedom in worship and boldness in prayer, the third thing I want you to see is that we have intimacy and fellowship. Intimacy and fellowship. Let me say it this way. We can be intimate, not insecure. We can be intimate, intimate with God. Intimate with God. You know that word intimacy. Some people have said that you can, it's kind of a play on words to understand the meaning of it. Intimacy is into me see. Into me see. In other words, beyond just the facade, beyond the persona that I project, I want you to see who I really am. You know, intimacy in marriage is really just the picture that God has given us to understand intimacy with Him. That's what intimacy in marriage is meant to be. It's, it, it's here I am. I mean, at the risk of being crass, here, here I am. There's no hiding in intimacy in marriage, correct? Yes, everybody's marriage? Yeah, good, okay, great. Marriage course coming up. Um, but it's, I, I'm, I'm open, I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm not hiding anything. And when we recognize my flaws, all of my weaknesses, the things that I'm ashamed of, I no longer have to hide and conceal. But Jesus was exposed on the cross so that I could be covered. I no longer have to li live in relationship before God and people thinking if they found out, what would they think? Some of us live relationally with walls put up. Let me put on the facade. Let me keep this filter up. Let me try to just keep up the show because if they really knew, what would they think? Let me tell you this. The one who knows everything loves us more than anyone. He knows, he knows everything about you and he loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you. Even in your failure, your shortcomings, your regrets, you no longer have to hide, but you can have intimacy with God through Jesus. And not only can we have intimacy with God, but now we can have real intimacy with each other. We can have real intimacy with, with each other. You know, church is the one place in the world that the whole premise of us being a part of this, we are acknowledging, I, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And you know, sometimes we can have a real good doctrine of sin until somebody confesses sin. Until there's real I messed up. I failed. No, the blood of Jesus covers so we can have intimacy. That's why the Bible says that we should confess our faults to one another, that we can be healed 
It says we bring that into the light, that the blood of Jesus covers it, and we are set free to have intimacy. So through Jesus, we, we have freedom in worship, we have boldness in prayer, and we have intimacy in fellowship. I want to ask you, if you would, just to stand to your feet. Worship team, you can come back up.